All right, so please welcome in Corey Bennett, a stud for Charlotte Independence and the USL League One. How you doing, bro? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Well, so I kind of just want to start. I just want to go back to the beginning. So I read that you're from Jamaica. And kind of just explain to me, like, what your life was like in Jamaica and how you ended up in the United States playing professional soccer. Okay, so Jamaica means one of the best places on earth, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I have great friends there. Um, you know, as everyone knows, the beaches, the food, the people are really nice, you know, generally, you know, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. My childhood there is amazing. I can't complain, to be honest. You know, my parents made sure I had, you know, we didn't have everything, but they, they, you know, did their best to give me the things that I needed, you know. Um, so did you play any, like, how much did you play in Jamaica? Like, how did you, what was like the scouting process like to get to where you are now? Okay. So I start, actually started playing soccer. We call it football in Jamaica, but soccer yeah. in the U.S. We'll call um, it football in here. So that's okay, with me. Yeah. That's what I call it. So. Okay, perfect. So, you know, I started playing football at age four at a local club called Santos FC. Mm -hmm. So it was like two minutes from where I grew up. Um, I played there until the age of, let's say, 10, about 10. And then one of the bigger clubs in, in the region, named Real Mona, one of the coaches I played against them, had, you know, I played against them a few times and I always scored against them, you know, and did my thing. Then he scouted me to, you know, join that team, Real Mona, and they were always winning the U13. Yeah. So I, I, I went there, did well, you know, I got leading goal scorer for the U13s. Um, I, I believe one year, we won it that year as well. Um, and then the biggest club, I would say, in Jamaica, or one of the biggest clubs, Harbors USC, you know, they scouted me. Um, the coach that was um, the first team coach for Harborview was also the high school coach for my high school. And so it was pretty straightforward. Eventually yeah. went there. That's where I played my club football. Um, I went to Covenant Prep School. Weren't the best. So Prep School is like elementary school here. Yeah, yeah. So while there, he played club football. So while there, I was playing at Santos and then Ramona. Um, we didn't, my school didn't really do well, to be honest. It was a smaller school, but every year I would score like 20 goals. So that's where, um, you know, people took kind of took notice. Yeah. Um, then I end up going to the best high school in Jamaica, um, Wilma's Boys School, you know, and I played there, you know, one U14, one U16, the U19, I won the knockout competition, but the, the major tournament, I didn't win it. I also left high school with two years or three years of eligibility left, so... You know, who knows? I probably would have won it if I stayed, yeah. I believe. Yeah, so that's pretty much, you know, my life in football in Jamaica. So even though you're playing pro, do you wish you could go back and win that? No. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, real, it's, a really, it's good for bragging rights, but in yeah. the grand scheme of things, I think 
I made the right decision of foregoing that and, you know, coming over to the States. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I made it to a final one time, but I never won it. So even though I long graduated, well, not long graduated, but even though I'm graduated, it's still like, I still wish I had won it. But yeah. So you played for the Northeastern Huskies. So what was the process like to get there? Okay. So while playing in high school and for my club, Harborview. So at this point, Playing for Wilmers and Harborview would give you the platform because these two teams always go to the final or semi-final where everyone is tuned in. Um, so I remember playing in a game. So I was one of the younger guys in the U19 team and coaches came from abroad to look at the guys who would probably look to go to college the next year. So seniors um, and the coach saw me playing he decided that he wanted to offer me, you know, for scholarship. At the time, that coach was assistant coach for the Philadelphia Union when he came, mm -hmm. and he was about to go to Northeastern, I believe. And, you know, he offered a scholarship, and it was it was an amazing feeling. Um, a year and a half after that, I ended up, you know, finally going to Northeastern. Um, and, yeah, that was pretty much how it was for me. I had yeah. I had other offers as well, like to different Division One schools around the country. But I think Northeastern at the time, based on how much interest they showed and everything, I think that that was the best decision and I had the best feeling about going there. Yeah. So what, so Northeastern is D1, right? Yeah. So what really and truly does it take to be a D1 footballer? Well, a sacrifice, I can tell you. Um, it's a lot of sacrifice. And for me, it was my first time living on my own. So it was that was a whole, you know, process for me as well. You know, I had to, I was actually living in dorms. So I didn't really have to cook that first year. I didn't really yeah. cook at home. My parents always did. I didn't have to cook that first year, but getting used to the food, like, the cafeteria food, I loved it for the first two weeks. And then after that, I was sick. Like, uh, I, I, yeah. yeah, I went to the same thing. I was so excited to get to my school and eat their food. And for some reason, when I got there the first week, I was like, this sucks. Yeah. And so, I didn't eat there like the rest of the year. Exactly. It was, um, you know, it's a, it's a transition. It was a transition for me. Uh, as I said, when I got there the first week, because in the cafeteria you have pizzas, burgers, burgers and stuff like that. And in Jamaica, like I ate pizza and burger, but not very often. You know what I yeah. mean? It was more home cooked meals. You know what I mean? So and pizza and burgers would be like a treat meal. Like on the weekends, my parents yeah. would get it and I would be excited. So when I could have it every day, I you know, I had pizzas, burgers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wasn't I wasn't eating like an athlete. And then I got I got tired of it real quick, yeah. You know, and I got tired of the whole cafeteria food, you know, and that was a that was a big you know turning point for me, you know, in terms of what I put into my body because I started feeling bad and we train really hard, you know, in in Division One soccer, you're always in the weight room, um, you're always doing a lot of running. You know, so you have to really take care of your body to, yeah. you know, and 
that that like a light bulb went off for me like I need to do better because you know it made me sick you're not performing to your best and getting injured and stuff like that so that was bit of transition yeah Met some really nice people there um some life long friends that I have to this day I met there as well but it was definitely a transition big transition for me so what is Jamaican home cooked food like what is stuff that your parents would make okay stuff my parents would make so my favorite meal from my dad for example was brown stew chicken so mm. it's chicken um we have this seasoning called it's brown stew yeah so you you put that in it chop he chops up like you know like the onions garlic peppers everything season it um they normally season it like the night before and then you have it the following day that was like i think my dad's best meal that he that could make that sounds good yeah he he was a like i mean eventually they'll see this but i think he's a chef of the house to be honest you know he can really he can really he can really cook. my mom can cook too yeah. my dad is the that's how my dad I is think, yeah yeah my dad is the one who chefs it up he does brown stew chicken you know um we have this like stew peas so it's like beans um over white rice in this sauce as well some people add meat to it as well So that's a, another meal that was like I would say a traditional meal. Mm-hmm. Um and then the meals that most people know about is like the jerk chicken. Yeah. You know, oxtail is getting very popular. I'm not sure if you know about that as yet, but the prices for it now I see in the US is crazy. Yeah. It's getting very popular. You know, you have curry chicken. Those are the meals that most people outside of Jamaica would know, you know. So yeah, jerk, my dad jerk. loves jerk. Yeah. He loves so, it. He talks about it all the time. Yeah. So those are the meals most persons outside of Jamaica would know Jamaica yeah. for, you know. So what do you eat now that you're pro? Like what do you kind of eat the same kind of things or is there a certain diet you have? Uh I try to, you know, have a very clean diet. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll have there's a Jamaican restaurant here in Charlotte. I met the owner a few weeks ago, you know. So I occasionally go there, but most of my meals are cooked at home, you know. Yeah. Um you want to know specifically the meals I have or I, I mean if you want to go to depth, you can. Yeah, like I mean you don't have to example, tell me every single week by yeah, day by like, day, but yeah, like I most of my meals are are pretty much home cooked, healthy, a lot of vegetables, yeah. a lot of lean meat, you know. Um, I have my good carbohydrates, so like potatoes, sweet potatoes, you know, pasta when it's necessary, um, you know, rice, bread, like stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and I, and then I have, you know, I have my the stuff that I have maybe the day after the game, like uh, ice cream or chocolate or something like that, just to you know. Yeah. Keep me sane. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, getting back to your college days, what was your favorite memory from your few years at Northeastern? On the field or off the field? Either or, which one? Whichever one. Okay, so 
on the field. So tough one. So to be honest, in, in college, in college, like we weren't the we weren't a uh we used to like a winning school, like most of our it was really tough. We had to really grind and you yeah. know grind for wins and points and stuff like that. Um so I think every time we would come up with a win, come up with a point, you know, I think the celebration after the feeling after would, you know, you would really cherish it because of how hard you had to work to get it. You know yeah. what I mean? So there was a there was not really a specific game that um I would say Hey, this was the game that I was like, can't, you know, because we never really went to like the finals or anything. So it was more like every victory was like a final for, for me. So I, I celebrated all of those. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah. So it was, it was really just the, the win, it wasn't, you didn't really take the wins for granted. It just meant a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your because you went to radford what was your process like to transfer there why why did you choose radford okay so um going back to my point earlier when i was leaving jamaica there was a lot of offers to go to division one school yeah and one of the coaches um was at usf university of south florida mm -hmm. so that was one of the schools that you know i could have gone to decided not to so that coach he ended up leaving um ended up leaving usf and going to radford so he was the head coach there he's now in at a school in texas um so you know eventually we got in contact um because at northeastern really and truly i wanted to be a pro and you know at the time we weren't doing well as a team you know for me personally, yeah, always getting injured, you know, so there's a lot of frustration on my side and also on the side of the staff, you know. Um, so there is, you know, the coach understood me. It wasn't anything, it wasn't like you left with bad blood or anything. He totally understood because he was a pro his, himself. Yeah. And we had a conversation and I explained my ambition and he, you know, totally understood. Um, so it was between Radford and NC State at the time, mm -hmm. deciding which one. Um, I think Radford, Radford was a better fit because, as I said, I had history with the with the coach yeah. there. So I decided to go there, you know, um, and that was that. It wasn't, yeah. So towards the end of your Radford career and your college career, what were your thoughts on your next step? Okay, so um, I played, I played, I'm not sure if you know, but I played in the USL2, USLPDL. Mm -hmm. uh, Reading, Reading right? Yeah. So I played with Reading and I had, you know, had some great years there, scored a lot of goals. You know, I think um, one of the best places that I've played at, it was a family atmosphere, very competitive um, and, and some very good players. Every year at Reading, while I was there, at least seven players would move on and get drafted in the Super Draft. Yeah. So, you know, I knew I knew what I wanted, and I thought I could see it. I see the players. I, I train with them, play with them every day. 
and I see them move on to the next level. So I knew I was in the right place. Um, so I did my thing there. And after that summer, you know, I got the opportunities to train with a lot of MLS teams. So Philadelphia Union, um, Red Bulls and Columbus Crew. I got training with mm-hmm. them at that time, which was, was a blessing. Yeah. Um, really opened my eyes. And, you know, I went into Radford with the ambition that, you know, into that final season with the ambition of playing there and then moving into the MLS. That was that was my ambition. Didn't quite work out that way, but that was the mindset, you know, because I could yeah. see it and I knew I felt that, you know, I also had the or have the ability to to make that step by that time. Yeah. So go back to your time in the USL League Two. I actually work in the USL League Two, so I understand how yeah. deep the talent pool is there. So yeah. did you what was it like staying at the same team for three years? Because I know the people bounce around a lot year to year. Yeah. What was it like staying there and getting to know that team? Yeah, so it was like, for me, you know, most persons stay at the same college for four years, well, for three years, you know. For me, it was Reading, you know. I Every summer I knew that I went there, it would be a competitive atmosphere. I knew that we would compete for the championship. And also, I knew that opportunities would be opened up for me because, as I said, there's a lot of top players coming to Reading. So yeah. different eyes were on the team. As You know, like all the time, there's eyes on us. Um, we were, at the time, affiliated with the Philadelphia Union. They'd always have coach watching our games, watching our practices. You know, you do well. You go and train with the first team or the second team at Philadelphia Union. So... It was something that I, it was in line with my goal, so I didn't see a reason to change it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you spent a little bit of time with the Philadelphia Fury, which is used to be part of the NISA, so, and you only mm-hmm. played one game, but what was it, what was your feeling when the league, when all that stuff happened with the league? What, what did you think after that? Yeah, so, that was one of the most crazy, craziest parts of my career, you know. Um, I initially don't want to go into too much detail. This was on the bridge, to be honest, but I was a week before there was a USL USL championship team that, Mm -hmm. you know, was like this close to signing with them. Everything was done, but at the time, um, being an international at the time was a, was an issue because there's limited roster spots for international. Yeah. So I was in a, a a space of not really knowing what the next move would be. And my friend signed with them and then he reached out to me and was like, hey, there's an opportunity here because the coach is looking for a forward. And I was already you know, in and around, I was in the Northeast, so I was not far from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, we got in contact, signed there, boom, um, we played one game, and then everything came crumbling down, but if I'm being honest, you could see it coming, yeah. because, you know, I don't want to get into too much details about that, but, like, things weren't how it should be, mm-hmm. you know, things were far 
far from what it should be at the professional level. And you could see it coming, you know. The signs yeah. were there. So when it happened, it was like, you know, it was devastating. Devastating. Yeah. It seems like, unfortunately, there have been so many leagues in America that have come and gone. Do you think the system that we have now will stay with the USL and the MLS? I think, yeah, I think USL and MLS are very, very stable leagues and growing leagues as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see it for yourself uh, the quality in the MLS growing, mm-hmm. quality in the championship growing, quality in League One growing as well. Because um, you look on the Open Cup, um, you see the results and it, it speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Many, so, many lower sides are beating MLS teams, which is crazy. Exactly. So, you know, it speaks for itself. You know, um, I think they're stable leagues and growing leagues. So, mm-hmm. I don't, at least from my perspective, I don't foresee anything like that happening within USL MLS. I hopefully it does stay because I mean the NISA, the PDL, so many leagues have come and gone. It. I think the USL system is set up great, and the money's going up every year, and the viewership's going over here. The quality in general is just going up every year. It's great. Yeah. So talk. Can you talk a little bit about your time? Because you went to Spain for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. So what was that decision like? And I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. Cabezo de Torres, is that right? Yeah, Cabezo de Torres. All right. So yeah. what was your decision to go to Spain? And what was okay. it like over there? Okay. So it's, it's, it kind of was a, a long time coming, to be honest, mm-hmm. going over to Europe. After the thing happened with the team in Philadelphia, um, I went home. I was in Jamaica. Um, so I met this guy. He's pretty much a scout. He's like a scout. Yeah. Um, works with a few agencies over in Europe and I was meant to go over to Europe right as soon as the pandemic hit. So it messed up me going over to Europe at that time, you know. Yeah. Um so when the pandemic hit, um, you know, we all just wanted to be safe. So stayed with family and, you know, just making sure that everyone is safe, everyone, you know, is healthy. So that was the focus. And then after that when stuff started to open up you know he revisited it and he was like hey it's an opportunity to go over there you know <laughs> might not be Barcelona or Real Madrid but it's an opportunity to play over there and get some eyes on you you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I took it took it with both hands and I went over there and you know so what did you do yeah. while you're in Jamaica to stay in shape and just stay at top quality uh trained I trained on my own uh, because at the time, you know, the pandemic was going crazy. So, you know, group sessions weren't really, no yeah. one was really thinking about having group sessions. So I trained on my own, a lot of running, a lot of, you know, doing workouts and stuff like that. Because outside of football, I'm kind of into fitness and health. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I I didn't find it tough. It was mentally tough to be not playing, but, you know, doing the runs and, all the stuff to stay fit and active, um, you know, playing with the ball, just being, yes, it opened up my creativity, to be honest. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what I did for the most part. Had tried to have as much fun with it as possible. And things started to open up slowly, you know. I had one friend training with him, then it became two, then it became a group session, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much how I 
you know, went through the pandemic, staying, staying in shape. Yeah. So while you were in Spain, so what were some things that went right and what were some things that went wrong while you're in Spain? Okay. So it was a wonderful experience. Let me start mm -hmm. off by saying wonderful, a wonderful experience. Um, I love the area that we're in. It was a small city. It was not Madrid. I went to Madrid once. Yeah. But it was, it's a, it's a bit different to like a Madrid or Barcelona, less busy, you know, very laid back, which is similar to what Jamaica is like. Mm -hmm. You know, people were, people don't hesitate to take a break. Let's say that. Yeah. You know, as soon as they have a chance to take a break, they take a break and, you know, people are just enjoying life. Um, fantastic city, fantastic, you know, people, all of that. My teammates were fantastic as well. While I was over there, um, I, I got injured within the first, first week. Mm -hmm. So I had to be doing, you know, kind of rehab for like about two, three weeks, maybe a yeah. month max. Yeah. And then once I came back from that, I played in the first game, you know, I scored in my first game over there. Um, fantastic. You know, guys continued to motivate me, played in more games. You know, I was scoring a lot, to be honest, over there. Yeah. And I was, you know, um, being a Jamaican over there, it gave me a lot of attention because it's not, it was always said that it's not normal for a Jamaican to be over in Spain, especially in that small city, you know what I mean? So it was mm -hmm. a lot of attention off of that on top of me doing well over there on the field, you know? So yeah, great. Yeah, it was was great experience. Um, you know, you said what didn't go right. You said yeah. stuff that was, yeah. Um, you know, not much, but one thing that did happen, and I don't think it's something necessarily bad, but you know, so I I did well. Um, obviously the club the club wanted me to stay for a next year and a half because the coaches the the board they all believed that I could make the next step which would be into possibly um, for Segunda B, mm -hmm. which is the third tier. So you have La Liga, yeah. Segunda A, Segunda B. So that would mm -hmm. be the, the third tier, the board, everyone. So we, you know, we all spoke, they spoke to my agent and they wanted me to stay for a year and a half. And we all agreed that, hey, you know, I would stay and then we make that move maybe after the year and a half or maybe you know, before that, depends how, how things work out. Yeah. Um, and it quite, it didn't quite work out for reasons out of my control and out of my agent's control, mm -hmm. um, you know, work permit issues and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the only bad thing per se, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's bad because it, it led me to, to Charlotte. So, mm -hmm. so I how did it lead you to Charlotte? What, okay, what was the process so, like in Charlotte? Yeah, so I I actually was with Charlotte in preseason last year. So not many people know that I was in Char I was in preseason mm -hmm. with Charlotte last year and did well. Um the coach wanted to, you know, he expressed interest in me in terms of signing and everything. But again, the same international spot was the issue with the team for me last year. Yeah. You know, international and you know, it, it didn't quite work out. 
you know, to be honest, he kept tabs on me through my agent, just asking, you know, how am I doing, all of that stuff. And then this year, you know, I guess they got in contact again. And, you know, it just made it happen this year. Yeah. So you mentioned, you've mentioned the trouble with your internet, with the international spots multiple times. And you're actually not the first person I've talked to that's had that issue. So what do you think in this American system can be fixed as to, to ensure more international players can play at higher levels? To, to be honest, uh, I don't think it's something that needs to be fixed. You know, being international, it, it really sucks. But to, I guess I'm just looking at it from the U.S. soccer perspective where you want your homegrown players to yeah. be afforded the opportunities to play, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they have to put a restriction on the amount of internationals that can be in a team because, you know, uh, possibly teams would have only internationals in the team and guys who are American or born here, you know, wouldn't get opportunity to play yeah. professionally. So I think, I don't think it's something that's broken necessarily, but maybe mm-hmm. a few more spots in the teams for international, you yeah. know? yeah i know the thing is i know america is not the only one who does that though there's so many countries who do it it's just yeah yeah every pretty much every country does it you know Mm -hmm. it's just so many i know in the premier league it's i don't think it's as many spots i think you just have to have a minimum of of english players i know it's like that in other leagues too yeah so you said you trained with charlotte and were they in the championship at that time yeah, so last year they were in the championship. So what was it like training there with a championship side? And then what's the difference between then and now in the, in the league one? Okay, so it was it was um was good last year. I was mm-hmm. enjoying it. I remember coming on, you know, I came on in a preseason game and scored the winner. And, you know, I felt good about that in my mind, I knew I could play at the championship level mm-hmm. from off of that, as well as training with the guys. I would say the difference between the team last year in the championship and the team now would be just the, the age, to be yeah. honest. You know, it was more experienced guys, you know, so it's a lot of, I would say, like, USL veterans in the team or probably mm-hmm. guys who played at a higher level and they're now playing in the championship. Um, so I think that, that's a main difference. That's a big difference. Yeah. Um, so with that comes a lot more maturity, a lot more game management, etc. But, you know, I think now we have a pretty much younger team. I think majority of the team, so the exception of maybe three, maximum five guys, mm-hmm. majority of the team is under 25. So, Oh, wow. You That's know, very young. Yeah. So it's a different dynamic now where we have these hungry guys who want to go to a higher level, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't think there's a huge drop off in intensity or, you know, talent or ability. It's just more so maturity and experience. Yeah. You know, that was the main difference. So how does the team how do how do you feel you don't have to disclose any details but how do you feel and how does the team feel about charlotte fc charlotte fc mm-hmm. 
I, most of the guys support Charlotte FC, you know. Um, there's a few guys in the team who are actually signed to Charlotte FC and they play with us. So they um, they train with the Charlotte FC and they, they play games with us. Yeah. Uh, most of us, we find it pretty exciting because, as I said, a lot of, it's a group of hungry guys, hungry players who want to go to the next level. And, you know, our stadium is pretty much two-minute drive from Bank of America where Charlotte FC plays mm-hmm. and everyone sees that and everyone wants to play at that level. So yeah. it's, it's good. It's a big motivation. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a motiv- it was a motivation for me coming here and I'm sure it's the same for other guys in the team. I didn't know if there was any lingering dislike towards them since when they came in. Charlotte no, no. Pendis was dropped. I didn't know if there was anything no. like that, but it's good that there's not. not. On the, at least not on the not on the players players yeah. side. Yeah. So you guys are in third place right now, which is very good. I was wondering who you thought was your biggest competition in the USL League One. In the League One, to be honest, I can't pick out one team. Every game that I've gone in has been super mm-hmm. competitive. Like. There's no game that you can go in and feel as if, you know, this game will be easy, you know. In this league, everyone wants it. Everyone wants Mm -hmm. to go higher. So everyone is giving their 100% in every game. So, you know, I can't say that there's anyone who is more of a rival than the other. You know, there's teams that are nearby who naturally they become your rivals because, you know, for example, North Car- North Carolinas and the Greenville, yeah. you know. But in terms of, I can't pick one team and say, hey, name, no. Every team deserves the, the respect. Every game you go in, you have to give 100%. Mm-hmm. So you scored your first goal for against Omaha. What was that like? Oh, that was crazy. It was, <laughs> actually, it was, it was a crazy whole crazy sequence um you know it's a good cross and I had when I had the ball I saw the keeper got his hands to it I'm not sure if you saw it I haven't seen it no I meant to look into it but I forgot yeah the keeper was kind of leaned back in the goal and then he hit the ball out and then he hit the post Mm -hmm. and then goes so we are all appealing that that's obviously a goal because if you push the ball out into the post that means it was behind the post, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? And, you know, the referee, thankfully the linesman saw it, because I don't think the referee saw it, because I jumped, when I jumped, it was a big crowd around the goal, you know, mm-hmm. and I jumped ahead of it, so it wasn't clear for the referee. He couldn't see, but thankfully the linesman saw what we all saw, and then, you know, it was in the 93rd minute, and it was four, four minutes of added time, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure that felt great. It was, a, it was a yeah, fantastic feeling. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. We celebrated because it was a, as I said, every game you have to give a hundred percent from yeah. first whistle to the last. So it was. I'm gonna go watch it right after this. Yeah, go watch it. <laughs> um, it's controversial, but you enjoy the yeah. whole. Thing yeah, yeah. Well, you still got a long season, so I'm sure there's a ton more to come. So yeah, for sure. I'm gonna start to wrap it up, and I'm gonna ask you. Growing up in Jamaica, and who was your favorite player? And then now, who is your favorite player to watch? So, favorite player, like overall, or favorite Jamaican player? You can do both. 
They might be the same okay. person. You can do both. Okay, so my favorite Jamaican player growing up mm -hmm. was Luton Shelton. Rest mm -hmm. in peace. So he's the all-time goal, the all-time leading goal scorer for the national team. You know, every time I would go into the stadium, it was just to watch him because he was so fast and yeah. he scored goals and he was just electric. You know, him and also Ricardo Gardner, who played in the Premier League, he's like a mentor for me. Mm -hmm. um, so those two were my favorite Jamaican players. My favorite player overall was Thierry Henry. Mm. <laughs> and that's why I know I'm an Arsenal yeah. supporter. You know, you're not so. the first person to say that on here. Yeah. <laughs> Thierry Henry, man, like gave me some great memories. Like watching him, he made it look he looked like he was gliding. Yeah. You know, when he was playing. He made it look so easy. So he, I've went back and watched so many of his his things he's done and he was just that finesse shot, just how easily he did that. Yeah, passing it to the far mm -hmm. post, right? But he made me, you know, pretty much fall in love with Arsenal, you know, and the sport of football even more. Mm. And current player, I don't have a favorite current, but I love to watch, you know, the likes of Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland, yeah. Neymar, and, you know, Messi and Ronaldo, mm -hmm. you know. So, but, you know, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of football. I watch yeah. a lot of players, but my favorite ever was Thierry Henry. Great answer. That was a great yeah. answer right there. Um, one more dumb question before we go. <laughs> how did you and how did the country of Jamaica feel about when Usain Bolt went to play pro? I mean, it was good and it was bad. <laughs> in a sense. You know, it was good because Usain Bolt represents Jamaica. Everywhere I've been, mm. if they don't know anything about me or Jamaica, they always know about Bolt and Jamaica, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you, they always go, for example, I go to Spain, everyone was like, Usain Bolt. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, Usain Bolt, Jamaica, you know? So I think it was good because it kind of, you know, we have Leon Bailey doing well in, in the Premier League. I mean, he's been injured, but... Mm. He's a name that most, yeah, most persons in the football world would know Bailey's name. But Usain Bolt also, in that period of time, brought awareness to Jamaica again. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and at the time, I think Bailey was, he was lighting up the Bundesliga. So both going to Dortmund, you know, it just brought more attention to Jamaican players and, you know, Jamaicans in the sport. So it was it was it was fun to see, but it was also we know like he spent most of his time focusing on track and field. So yeah, and he's at the end of that. So it would have been always been tough for him to break into a top European team or mm -hmm. any team for that matter without the necessary preparation. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was good and bad, but it was definitely fun to see, and I have respect for him for trying you know what i mean because yeah. most persons don't have the guts to go out and try something as bold as that so you're saying it's a good thing i didn't open this interview with a bunch of Usain Bolt questions <laughs> <laughs> no, no 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 i i don't mind it to be honest i'm just saying like it's yeah. something that most first if they don't know anything about jamaica they know Usain Bolt. you yeah. know what i mean so so 
one more question. How do you, mm -hmm. as a Jamaican striker, feel about Mikel Antonio? Mikel Antonio? Mm -hmm. Great. He's, I mean, he's been having team. a great season. Yeah, he is. I mean, he hasn't been scoring a lot recently, but he's been doing very good. I think he has pretty good numbers in the Premier League. And, you know, as a Jamaican player, you have ambition to play for the national team. I do for, you know, yeah. I can say I do have ambition to play for the national team at some point. And if you're going to the national team and you have a player of Mikel Antonio's caliber, you can always learn something from him. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's good. It's good for Jamaica period. Like, Players like that in the national team is good.